Good morning. Welcome to Driving Theology. My name is Mike, and this is a podcast of uh, uh, ramblings by me on the way to work. So there's lots of background noise. I happen to be in a, a little bitty car that's noisier than the car I used to drive. I'm, I'm between cars right now as it, as it is, and uh, as it happens, I guess. Uh, but I got a couple other things, projects that I'm doing that uh, uh, keeping me from buying a car right now. I'm going to wait it out just a bit because I got other places that the money needs to go to right now. Uh, <clears throat> namely, my trip to New York next month, end of next month. Uh, the states in New York, so I'm going to go visit my family for about 10 days and then go to New York for about five for a, a concert that I'm participating in. And, uh, yeah, I thought I'd talk about uh, dreams this morning. And I don't mean sleeping dreams. I mean uh, aspirations, goals, hopes. Uh, and specifically dreams that you've had for yourself. Um, a lot of us, you know, once we get to a certain point in our life, kind of stop believing that our dreams will come true. And maybe a lot of us have even forgotten what our dreams were. You know, for example, as, as an English teacher, I ask people all the time, as a kind of a conversation starter, what did you want to be when you grew up? What do you want? Or, or I ask kids also, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, you get the normal normal stuff here. You know, I want to be a policeman or uh, I want to be a, a baker or bread maker. Like a, a, a bread baker is actually really big for girls here in Japan. They want to make bread for some reason. I don't know what the image is with baking, but could from could it could come from some of the uh, different uh, cartoons they they watch here. I'm not sure, but anyway, Baker is a big one. But you know, when when I ask kids that, I ask knowing that I can't remember what I wanted to be when I was a kid. I'm not sure I ever. I, I just don't remember if I had a dream to be anything specific. Not when I was an elementary school kid or, you know, even junior high. I don't think I ever thought about that. Um, now, once I was in high school and I discovered musical theater, uh, I knew I wanted to be on the stage. And I think, you know, Broadway musicals, to do musicals and to be a, a, a singer... I don't think it was just Broadway for me, but I really enjoyed the, the the theater. I still love being in the theater to this day. That kind of became my dream in high school, and that's what I pursued. Um, but I can't say that that was a, a dream of mine from early on. I, I, I'm not sure if I had a dream. 
my dad was a, a mechanic, uh, but he had a, you know, he was also, I'm not sure if I call him an intellectual, but he was, he was curious about everything. He, he enjoyed reading about, uh, uh, theology and science and, uh, archaeology was a big, uh, big thing of his, um, <clears throat> But by trade, he was really a mechanic, and he worked in factories at different points. And he was a good one, and I enjoyed that. I enjoyed doing things with my dad with tools and things like that. But I just don't think I ever thought, you know, I want to be a mechanic. But it's possible when I was a kid, because I really looked up to my dad. That you know, maybe that's what I wanted to be. I just don't. I don't remember. Maybe it's because. In high school, this other dream kind of took hold of me so completely that that I I forgot about it. Um, but as you as you even if you hold on to your dream, you tend to tweak it as you get older, as you mature into that dream. You you, you tend to uh, change your expectations depending on how successful or not you are in achieving that dream. <clears throat> you know, we hear the phrase, beyond my wildest dreams. I never thought I would something, something. You know, it's, it's beyond my wildest dreams. And successful people say this all the time, right? Uh, the success of this movie is more than I could have ever hoped for. Or, you know, I, I never thought in a million years that I would win this award or something like that, right? But I'm just not sure that's true. I, I, I think, I think, I think we tend to, the younger we are, we tend to have pretty huge dreams. Because we don't know how hard it is to achieve them. We kind of shoot for the stars, you know. Um, we kind of just in our mind, in our dreams, I think our dreams are really big, unless somebody is there to squish our dreams early on, and that does happen, you know, whether it's parents or, or older siblings or, you know, teachers. Uh, we can be, as adults, dream squishers to kids, uh, and I, I don't, I'm not sure what's best, because Okay, so a, as, a, as a musician, as somebody who went into music and really gave it my all for a time, I can say that I had unrealistic expectations, even into graduate school, about how, how successful I could be. <clears throat> what, what they never taught me was that the number of people who are truly successful in you know, as singers in classical music, for example, it's a really small number, really small. You know, the kind of the kind of people who only make their only make a good salary or only successful through performing uh, as singers specifically is incredibly is, is an incredibly small number. Really, really small, like unbelievably small. Um, I, I was watching a uh, 
a, uh, I guess it's a YouTube video, a YouTuber, and I can't remember his name right now. If, if I, I've liked his videos so far, I haven't watched many of them, but he kind of breaks down uh, things regarding music. He, he he tries to break down and find the truth uh, in in music, like types of songs or or this and that. But no, this is this. Is, oh no, okay. This is from an audiobook I've been listening to, which is by Jordan Peterson, called the 12, I think it's called 12 Rules for Life. 12 Rules for Life, I think that's it. Anyway, it's a very famous book, and I've been going through it. And he talks about how in, I'm gonna mess up his, his uh, psychological uh, terminology. I'm going to totally butcher it. But he's talking about how elitism is natural. It's part of nature. There are always going to be a few very successful people at the top. And most of us will not make it. He says that this is a, this is a normal way of, of life. This is how nature works. Uh, there are a few very successful people out of, out of, you know, many thousands of people, very few people become the best at something. And he, he is, he, I think he gives all kinds of examples, but one example he gives is that in music, <clears throat> classical music to be exact, he says that something like 90, 90% of the classical music that is most commonly listened to in the world today is by four or five composers. And I think he says Bach, uh, Mozart, Beethoven. Uh, I can't remember which other one he said. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a very small number, 90-something percent of, of the classical music that's listened to today is by a very small percentage of composers from a very successful era, from a very specific part of Europe, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, and that that is natural, he says. That's just how it works. Just just the same way that he, he I'm gonna get these, uh, mix, mix up these um, numbers. But it's something like, you know, the top 1% of the country has more wealth than the bottom 50% or something like this. I think the numbers are even more astronomical than that. Um, but he says this is just how the world is and how it works. It always has been. There are a few successful people uh, or a few successful works and then we all kind of enjoy those and ignore the rest. Uh, and it's, it's that way in business, it's that way in um, music and art uh, and all kinds of other areas as well. Crap, I'm in no man's land. Uh, 
and and he uses this as a as a uh, you know thing to to help us temper our expectations. You know, th this is how it is. You know, not everybody can be wildly successful, uh, and humans have always placed just a few people at the top, um, and not everyone else. You know, it's just it's just how everything has always worked. Um, if you look at uh, sports, it's probably the same way. You know, uh, baseball is the I think the most, the biggest, um, the easiest one to see. The Yankees have more than twice as many championships as the number two team, <clears throat> and most teams have very few. <coughs> it's just how it is. You you get a successful. Uh, success is that hard, I guess. It's that difficult to be the top. It's very difficult to reach that. And once you do, uh, it's unlikely that anybody's going to um, going to knock you off that once you become that one. Now, there are a few exceptions. For example, in, in basketball, you have the Lakers and the Celtics. And the Lakers and the Celtics are so successful that they have nearly half of all championships for the 30-some-odd teams. There are 30 teams, but half the championships all are in the hands of the Celtics and the Lakers. Um, and they often won or lost to each other. Um, so they have been the best for a long time, right? And once you are the best, you tend to stay the best. I, that, I guess that's inertia, uh, especially if, if you're the best over a stretch. There's some other teams that are kind of, uh, I don't know, they might find their way into that category in basketball. But the fact is, I had big aspirations of being on Broadway, and, and you know, because I've made decisions in my life, uh, that I could have made, you know, in places where I could have made other decisions, but I didn't. I don't know how successful I could have been. I don't know how far I could have gone. <clears throat> perhaps farther, perhaps not, you know. Um, it's hard to say, but I, even though I studied to be a professional singer, I'm not making much money today singing. I make a little here and there. Uh, it's sort of a hobby that pays for itself now, I guess. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that's, that's something I didn't expect. I thought by this time I would have been much more successful. But, you know, I've made certain decisions and, and I made what I thought was the right decision at the time uh, that in retrospect may have hurt my career. Uh, I think it's easy to see in hindsight. Uh, but what I'm saying is, you know, dreams when we're kids, I think they're pretty unrealistic and they're, they're, they're wildly impractical. You know, girls who say, I'm going to be on TV, I'm going to be a famous idol, or I'm going to be this, or I'm going to be that. Very few will. Very few 
if statistics are true, ever reach their, ever live up to their dreams, right? Ever achieve their dreams, I guess the way I should say that. Uh, so the question is why? why? Why don't we achieve our dreams? And, and should we temper children's dreams or should we allow them to run wild? Right? Should we rain on someone's parade? Uh, or, or should we encourage them in their wildly unrealistic dreams? That's a difficult one, right? It's difficult. Um, because those of us who are a little bit older uh, have, have failed more often than we've succeeded. And things have not quite gone as we wanted them to. And we are disappointed because of that. Right? We live with disappointment because of that reality. And maybe we want to help people avoid that disappointment. Maybe that's why we uh, try to temper people's dreams. The problem is... We don't know who, and we can't know. We can't know who is going to achieve those dreams and who isn't. We can't know who's going to be, <clears throat> uh, you know, who's going to be Bill Gates, uh, and who's going to be uh, the grandpa still working at the gas station. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. But I'm pretty sure that was not his dream. We can't know who it is, right? There have been people that have started in unbelievably difficult circumstances who achieved great success. And we have no way of knowing who's going to make it and who's not. There's just no way to know. You know, even within your own family, if you take the, the three, you know, I, I had two, two siblings. Uh, I had two uh, I, I have seven siblings, six siblings, I guess, I'm the seventh, six siblings, actually, but I had, I grew up with two older sisters, and then we, we adopted two brothers, so I have two brothers, two sisters, I have a half-brother and a half-sister, but if, if you were to look at us from the beginning and try to determine who was going to be successful and who wasn't. I, I just don't think you would have been able to do that. I don't think you could have predicted what we would go into or how we would be successful or, you know, there's just no way. And dreaming, being able to see a better future for yourself, I think is a uniquely human thing. You know, this idea to think of improving of, of think to think of you know being better and of course it can go wrong right there there are ways that that this goes wrong there, there are uh, people who become greedy and and they they damage people on their way to the top now that's another way to get to the top and a lot of people do this <coughs> 
but those people usually when they do that to get to the top find out that the top is not what they thought it was going to be it's a loud horn um so the question is what do we do when we encounter the dreams of the young right how, how should we react should we temper their dreams help them to be more realistic or should we encourage them to shoot for the stars knowing that most of the people we encourage to shoot for the stars are going to be disappointed hmm. well first of all we don't have an equal amount of influence on everybody we meet you know if 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 i'm a teacher i'm not going to have the same amount of influence as a parent uh, in most cases now in some cases if you have a student who really looks up to you uh, maybe just maybe you can have a lot of influence I have had a few teachers like that that, that uh, were very influential on me and I respected a lot um, but for the most part even if we encourage everyone we're only going to be correct 1% of the time but I think <clears throat> and I could be wrong I think this is a difficult one this is really difficult you know thinking as a parent so I've got three daughters and I think I've always encouraged them to shoot for the stars I think um but day-to-day -day life is not like that, right? We see their, their weaknesses in certain subjects in school and their strengths in others. And, and we kind of get an idea. And maybe by our just living together, we may be saying more than our words. Um, I'm not sure, right? That, that's, a, that's a question. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's a difficult one. And also, you know... My three daughters lived with me, and I shot for the stars uh, in a time in my life. And, it, you know, it could be that they have been discouraged in shooting for the stars knowing that I didn't reach them. That's possible, too. You know, there, there are all kinds of dynamics <clears throat> because we model the truth more than we speak the truth. Right? We model the truth more than we speak the truth. This is a difficult conundrum, you know. This is tough. Uh, but I think, I think, because humans are the kind of creatures that want better, want bigger, want more, want change, see the future, envision uh, a different kind of existence, a better existence. We can envision it, right? We can picture it in our mind. That dreaming and shooting for the stars is part of what it means to be human. You know, I want to live on the hill. I want to drive that car. Uh, I want to win that award. Uh, you know, I want to. I want to be a, a top author, artist, musician. Um, And this drive is what helps us progress. You know, the, the ultimate, maybe, 
maybe the ultimate, I'm not sure, at least on one level. The ultimate example of this is literally shooting for the moon, right? One of the, one of the things that we say when we bet it all, when we're all in, is we shoot, we shoot for the moon. I'm going to shoot the moon. I'm going to shoot for the moon. Which means, you know, I, I'm all in. I'm 100% in. I'm going for it. Um, we use that term when we play rook or spades or whatever. Uh, but to me, it, it comes from the space race, right? The, the ambition of uh, NASA to get a man on the moon, right? To get to, get to the moon. Uh, to be the first country to put a human being on the moon. And we did that, right? We achieved it. It happened. And there's a lot of in advancement in technology, a lot of good that came out of that somewhat meaningless achievement. You know, if you think about it, just going to the moon itself really didn't change much, right? It, it, it happened, but it didn't, you know, it's not like it really changed a whole lot, except that in the process of figuring out how to get to the moon, we solved all kinds of other problems and made all kinds of other technological advancements uh, in transportation, in medicine, uh, in all kinds of ways, right? Uh, computation, computers, a lot of that came out of this desire to get to the moon or to you know, rockets or whatever. And so the aspirations, the dreams of mankind serve to push the species forward. Now, forward doesn't mean that there aren't some backwards tendencies as well. You know, just because uh, we have cars now that allow us to go farther and faster doesn't mean that we're also polluting the world more and more, right? We're, we're doing damage as we're going forward. That does happen. That's, that's unfortunately the human way. <clears throat> it's collateral damage, right? There's going to be something that gives, right? There's going to be something that gives. Something, something has to give. The, the, the cost has to be paid, right? There is, a, there is a cost for us driving cars and going farther and faster today. There's a cost. And that cost is largely environmental. All the roads we've had to build all the all the fumes we put in the air doing that not to mention the cars that ride on the roads and the materials used you know there there is a cost as as there is with electric vehicles you know today we think well electric vehicles are way better cuz it's not going well yeah but problem is the precious metals and materials used in I, I believe they're lithium batteries, but I could be wrong. <coughs> in batteries, has to be mined somewhere. So we're, we're tearing up the earth, destroying the environment to get these materials so that we can protect the environment. There's a cost, right? There's always a cost for everything, every step. You know, we may take, take two steps forward, but we're probably taking one step back and sometimes maybe three steps back. The, the price we pay for advancement may not always be worth it. 
there's a human cost, there's an environmental cost. Um, the same way with our iPhones and, and our, you know, computers and everything else, there's a cost to the advancements we've made, right? There's a balance. <clears throat> the cost of success, you know, if you were going back to dreams, the cost of success uh, is going to be effort and time uh, and sometimes money for education uh, and patience. Uh, it, it, it takes persistence and it, there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears behind every success story. Now, we don't see it. We just see this meteoric rise to success and we think people have become an over, overnight success, for example, Elon Musk. But we don't see all of the behind-the-scenes determination and grit that happens when most people become successful. Um, there are a few people in this world who probably have achieved their dreams and maybe even some that have achieved, have achieved beyond their dreams, but most of us haven't. Uh, most of us uh, maybe have seen glimpses of our dreams throughout our life, but never really uh, achieved what we had hoped for. And I think that's okay. I, I think it's fine. You know, I, I think it's normal. I, even if it's not okay, it's not going to change. Right? That's part of our human nature. Our human nature is to uh, see, see a jungle and envision a garden. Right? To see chaos and to envision order. Uh, to see... To see weakness and envision strength, right? Uh, we know things can be improved, and we are improvers. Is that a definition of a human? An improver? At least a human... You know, if we go back to the Garden of Eden, the story of the Garden of Eden in Genesis... God, after creating man in the garden, gives him a vocation. He says, first of all, he says, be fruitful and multiply. In other words, make more people like you. And he says, subdue the earth. And he puts all of the animals and creatures under man. And he does this by allowing man to name the creatures. The ability to name something is how he gave man authority over, over the earth. And God led by example. He brought order out of chaos in creating the world. But he also placed man in a place of order, a garden. It doesn't say a jungle or a forest. It says a garden. God placed man in the garden. So a, a place that God had already cultivated and and planned and organized and made beautiful. He placed man in a garden. And then he said, asked man to subdue the earth. And this subdue, I'd like to... Subdue sounds so much like subjugate or put under your control. It sounds like a, a very tyrannical thing, to tell you the truth. But I have a feeling the original 
language is different. But anyway, uh, he gave man the mandate or the vocation to take care of the world, right? To, to subdue it, to work in it, to improve it, to make it beautiful, uh, to make it functional, right? To look at the chaos and to make order of it. Uh, also, you know, things without names is, is chaos. If you've got nothing but animals, but you can't name them, uh, then that's chaos. And so one of the ways that man brought order out of chaos is that he named the animals. And God gave him that job to do. Your job is to give names to all these animals. And in doing so, he brought order. He, he identified things. That's bringing order out of chaos. Uh, when you have a class full of kids, one of the ways that you bring order out of that chaos is to have names because now you can call a certain child uh, and give them a certain instruction one-on-one -on -one instead of addressing the entire class uh, all together. Order out of chaos. I teach kids. I teach kindergartners. Kindergartners. I'm constantly trying to bring order to chaos. That's... That's one of my jobs. And so I think humans, by our, by definition, by design, we are improvers. We are the order bringer, bringers, the order makers in a world of chaos. As is God, right? God is, God brought order out of the chaos of the universe to create the earth. And we take the chaos that's in the earth to create order in the earth in our context. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, order out of chaos, dreams. Dreams are when you look into chaos and you see the potential for order. That's what a dream is. And you see your you see your place in it. Now, of course, you can have a general dream. You know, a lot of us generally dream for world peace without seeing how we can maybe uh, make a difference toward that goal. But generally speaking, uh, when we dream, we're looking into chaos and we're seeing the potential for beautiful order in our life in our world and how, you know, we can change the world and be a part of the success of that story. That's kind of what a dream is, right? So when I dream I'm going to be president, well, what does the president do? President is the one, uh, one of the people in a country who tries to bring more order to the, to the chaotic things that can happen with a country. Natural disasters and war uh, and, you know, economic recessions and whatever, right? Presidents are trying to keep everything running smoothly, orderly, uh, trying to keep the chaos at bay. But to look into the future, future is, is unknown, it's chaos, right? That's another way that uh, Jordan Peterson defines chaos, it's the unknown, it's the mysterious. When you look into the future and have a dream for yourself in the future to be successful at something you're looking into the chaos and you're seeing you're having a hope a wish for order in that unknown future 
in which you will be successful. This is what Martin Luther King talked about in his I Have a Dream speech. I have a dream that one day, right? One day, I have a dream that one day. And he was talking about racial reconciliation in his speech. But that I have a dream that one day something something will be better is, is a formula of, of what it means to dream, right? And he was working hard in fact, he gave his life that that dream would become a reality. And I have to say, Martin Luther King, that you're, it, you were successful. People are still working at your dream. And I don't think it's the kind of dream that will ever be finished, right? It's not something that's ever going to be done. It's something that we will have to continually work at. Uh... And I don't think it'll ever be done on this earth. And not knowing what heaven uh, is going to be like or consist of, I don't know. I don't know that it'll, it'll ever be done done in heaven. I don't know that we'll stop being. You know, I, I know that a lot of writers of the Bible had a dream, had a wish that one day everything would be brought to rights. Right? And I still have that hope. I just don't know that that's going to happen. But that's a dream of mine too. That one day everything broken in the world will be fixed. I have that dream too. <clears throat> uh, and I think this is one of, the, one of the reasons that Jesus talked about us being like uh, children. <laughs> He said, you know, unless unless you are like a child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Perhaps the kingdom of heaven is a place of unfettered and wild dreams, you know, which kids have, right? Kids have the dream, uh, the, the un, unrestricted dreams that life is going to be good, that, that everything they need, they're going to get. Uh, they are, they're innocent in that, in that manner, right? Uh, they are optimistic, wildly optimistic, which which you need to have a to have a decent dream, right? To have a, a dream that's beyond your reach. And perhaps this is what we all need to go forward. Well, I've got to get to work. I've just gotten here. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how you know where I landed on this idea of dreaming whether you allow your kids and encourage your kids in their wildest dreams, or uh, if you uh, should help them temper their dreams. I think you're going to have to take kids, you know, one by one as, as, as you find them. Uh, and, and you'll know. But, but I don't think you ever want to crush anyone's dreams. Uh, because you don't know uh, who's going to be successful, successful, and who's not. And this is again, this is one of the one of the things that you know people talk about abortion. I, I'm I'm not trying to be overly political, uh, but you know, abortion is one of those things where uh, p- 
people say you don't you don't know which child that that is dying uh, in the mother's womb was supposed to be president or supposed to be the next Einstein or something like that. We just can't know, right? We don't know, uh, and I think that's about as good a reason to to not support abortion as there is. Um, I'm not saying it's a good enough one. Um, I'm not saying either way. Not today. Uh, yeah. Uh, for As for me, I think I'm going to encourage kids' dreams. I, I think, you know, let them shoot for the stars uh, because some of them are going to make it. Thanks. Bye-bye.